No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job's friends begin to offer their explanations of why Job is suffering, but maybe it would have been better for them to keep their mouths shut. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 4 on Simply the Bible. The responses of Job's three friends is a lesson in what not to say to the sufferer. They lacked understanding and compassion. Rather than empathizing with their friend, they terrorize him. They make him out to be the guilty party before a stern, fault-finding God who is only interested in exacting justice in the universe. At first, their comments are relatively gentle. But as Job refuses to repent of his sin, because he doesn't know of any, they increase the intensity of their censure. Job's three friends started out well. For seven days, they said nothing. They simply sat with Job, weeping and tearing their clothes in anguish over Job's incredible suffering. That was wise. We pick it up in Job chapter 4. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If one attempts a word with you, will you become angry? But who can withhold himself from speaking? So far, so good. After seven days of silence, it was probably time for a word. As Solomon writes in Proverbs 25.11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Eliphaz said, Surely you have instructed many, and you have strengthened weak hands. Your words have upheld him who was stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. But now it comes upon you, and you are weary. It touches you and you are troubled. Is not your reverence your confidence, and the integrity of your ways your hope? This seems fitting. Job had given good counsel to many. He had offered the appropriate word that was apples of gold and settings of silver, and in so doing, Job had encouraged others greatly. Now that he was troubled and weary, wouldn't his reverence of God be his confidence and his integrity his hope? But suddenly, the counsel of Eliphaz takes a darker tone. Remember now, who ever perished being innocent? Or where were the upright ever cut off? Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his anger they are consumed. The roaring of the lion, the voice of the fierce lion, and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. His logic against Job is that only the innocent perish and those who plow iniquity reap trouble. Therefore, Job must not be innocent. God's justice has found him out. We will see that this is the primary argument Job's three friends use against him. It is based upon the assumption that God always rewards good and punishes evil. If you are suffering trouble, then it must be proof that you have done evil. But is that true? 
Obviously, we know it is not true in Job's case because it was Job's integrity that brought all this trouble on to begin with. Their logic was flawed. Now, a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Eliphaz suddenly becomes mystical, as though he received this revelation from God. But was it really from God? I have found that people too often say, God told me, but then what follows doesn't agree with the whole counsel of God's word. Disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night sounds more like a nightmare than a word from the Lord. Does God have to first scare us to speak to us? Does God pass before us as an eerie spirit that makes the hair on our body stand up? Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is the dust, who are crushed before a moth, They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. Now, seriously, does that sound like the word of prophecy, where the Bible tells us that prophecy is given for the edification, encouragement, and comfort of the saints? This seems more like manipulation, like The guy is saying, look, I had this mystical experience, so you better believe me. And that's why we cannot take at face value the things people say to us when they say, well, God told me we must test all things with the scripture. Chapter five, call out now. Is there anyone who will answer you? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? For wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. Was Eliphaz accusing Job of being foolish, and thus he suffered God's wrath? Was he saying that Job had been envious? This is the kind of vague accusation and condemnation that the devil is so subtle at bringing against us. I have seen the foolish taking root, But suddenly I cursed his dwelling place. His sons are far from safety. They are crushed in the gate and there is no deliverer because the hungry eat up his harvest, taking it even from the thorns and a snare snatches their substance. Now the foundation of Eliphaz's argument is not the word of God or even what he has personally observed in Job. He bases his argument on what he has experienced in life with other people. The foolish took root for a while, but suddenly they were uprooted. They appeared wealthy, but they soon went hungry. For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble spring from the ground, yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Now that's one thing Eliphaz says that we could agree with. Man is born to trouble, As sparks fly upward, we all get our share of it. As Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. 
This is what makes the arguments of Job's three friends so difficult to counter at times. There are things that they say that sound right. There is truth, but it is mixed with error. And this is how false teaching works. The false religious systems and cults have many teachings that seem true, but there are some lies mixed in. Their doctrine seems palatable, but it is like drinking a glass of juice with a little bit of poison. It may taste good going down, but it will still kill you. Eliphaz continued, But as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause. Who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number? He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields. He sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He frustrates the devices of the crafty so that their hands cannot carry out their plans. He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the cunning comes quickly upon them. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope at noontime as in the night, but he saves the needy from the sword, from the mouth of the mighty, and from their hand. So the poor have hope, and injustice shuts her mouth. Now, after Eliphaz has just decimated Job by implying that he is self-righteous, foolish, and envious, he softens the blow somewhat by saying, Look, Job, just seek God and everything will be okay. But his entire argument is disturbing to Job because Eliphaz has neither observed nor proven that Job is guilty of any wrongdoing, and Job knows that his accusations are unfounded. Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore do not despise the chastening of the Almighty, for he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make whole. Again, This is a true statement, but it is poorly placed. There are times when God does discipline his children as a sign of his love. Both Proverbs and Hebrews speak of this. But God corrects his children who have erred. Eliphaz has jumped to the conclusion of God's chastening without showing Job his fault. In truth, Eliphaz was dead wrong. God was not chastening Job because he needed correction. He was testing Job to prove his integrity. He shall deliver you in six troubles. Yes, in seven, no evil shall touch you. In famine, he shall redeem you from death. And in war, from the power of the sword, you shall be hidden from the scourge of the tongue. And you shall not be afraid of destruction when it comes. You shall laugh at destruction and famine. And you shall not be afraid of the beasts of the earth, for you shall have a covenant with the stones of the field. And the beasts of the field shall be at peace with you. You shall know that your tent is in peace. You shall visit your dwelling and find nothing amiss. You shall also know that your descendants shall be many, and your offspring like the grass of the earth. You shall come to the grave at a full age, as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. Behold, this we have searched out. It is true. Hear it and know for yourself. You know, these things are true. God does deliver those who trust in him and who keep his commandments. God does give them peace, and many times they live to an old age, although not always. Job had experienced such blessings from God, but no longer. Rather than experiencing God's deliverance, he was now experiencing trauma on top of trauma, more trauma than any person has ever experienced. 
except Christ. Eliphaz failed to answer the question in Job's mind, why is this happening to me? Eliphaz assumed Job's guilt, but failed to prove it. What we begin to understand as we analyze the arguments of Job's three friends is that they needed to believe these things to justify their own righteous acts. Everything they did was because they thought God would bless them if they were good little boys and punish them if they were bad. The accusation could have easily been brought against them that they were serving God, not because they genuinely loved him and valued his righteousness, but because it meant that their flocks would reproduce, their fields would produce great harvests, they would have great sex with their wives and have many children, a sign of blessing in that culture. If anything occurred in the universe to upset their understanding of how these things worked, then they would be totally disoriented. Nothing would make sense. They had to fight for their doctrinal position because their very understanding of God's order and their own prosperity depended upon it. But there was only one problem. The facts of life didn't fit their pretty little theory. As the book of Job unfolds, we see that God can never be boiled down to a simple formula. And while he is sovereign and the just judge of the universe, while he ultimately does punish evil and reward good, none of us can guarantee that we will be healthy, wealthy, and famous just because we live good lives. Anyone who believes that has never truly seen the cross of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we will see where Job replies to Eliphaz. His friends should have shown him kindness rather than inaccurately pointing out where Job was wrong. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.